discovered something funny in my Outlook yesterday. Not not my Outlook on life, but the actual Microsoft Outlook program because I use it on one of my machines to check my email. And it was funny. I looked up top right corner or something, and this was yesterday. And it said November 1st, something like mom died. And I'm looking at this, and I actually take a little screenshot of it, and I throw it in our family chat and signal. And I'm, I, I, I make some comment like, I don't know what past me, you know, WTF was past me doing, putting this in the calendar, because I don't think I need a reminder. I mean, I'm terrible with birthdays, absolutely terrible with birthdays. I mean, honestly, back whenever I had friends on Facebook, and, um, and, and it was my choice to defriend everybody because I was trying to get myself away from social media. Honestly, if it weren't for the fact that I need to manage the Tifton Talks page and the group and some other stuff for clients, I wouldn't even be on Facebook. But anyway, that the point I'm making is, honestly, for probably 95% of the people that I had as friends on Facebook, that's the only way I could ever remember their birthdays. So a death, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain I can remember that. As I sit here and struggle to try to remember exactly what day dad passed away in 2013, I'm pretty sure it was July 16th. But then again, I think I'm just proving my point. Anyway, as I'm recording this, it is November 1st, 2023. And today is mom's four-year death anniversary. That may sound morbid, but it is what it is. I decided to to title it that, and that's probably what I will title this episode, Death Aversary. But it got me to thinking about what what has changed and what has transpired since she passed away. I do have vivid memories of when that happened. It was a Friday, and I got the call from my first cousin, who was essentially my mom's uh, caretaker, had been for a number of years. She lived with mom, and So she was at the hospital because I had a business to run, and I would try to go up there whenever I could, spend a little bit of time. But but mom was basically in a coma, I guess, for a week before she passed away. She I never got to speak with her when she was in the hospital. Let's put it that way. So I got the call around three or three thirty that Friday morning that mom had passed away. So I got up there roughly around four four thirty, and then you know we sat around until about six or six thirty, and and then left. And of course, the rest of the day, that morning, I actually had to contend with an issue with, with one of my large clients. And, and I mean, they were, they were very understanding and, you know, we took care of the issue. And then later that afternoon, I had to go deal with the, um, funeral home, which mom had uh, already paid for everything. I just had to pick out the casket because the casket that she had originally wanted was no longer available and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it got me to thinking about what has transpired from then to now. And I know there's going to be a lot of things that I'm going to miss, but these were the six things that came to mind. Number one, my youngest son moved to Seattle, something my mom would have had a fit over because she had a fit when my when when my oldest son, his older brother, moved to San Francisco in 2015. <laughs> she just could not imagine her grandson at that time, because he was the only one moving, she just could not imagine him being on the other side of the country. And she constantly aggravated me. I mean, she, her heart was in the right place, but my oldest son did not communicate with his grandmother as much as his grandmother 
would have loved for him to communicate with her. And so I would get a call at least once every week to two weeks. Well, ha- have you heard from him? I called and got his voicemail. I know he's getting my messages. And I'm like, Mom, he's a grown man. I can't do anything about it. I think actually I I sent him a text one day asking him, and, and I didn't think I, I was doing anything out of turn. I was very polite about it, but I was like, you know, could you potentially possibly maybe you know, reach out to your mom and your grandmother a little bit more often because they're driving me nuts. And I, uh, hell, for I think about six months to a year, he didn't talk to me. I may be exaggerating on that time frame, but it seems like I pissed him off. I'm not sure why. So anyway, that happened. So then his his younger brother got a job and moved to Seattle. So if mom had been here, probably would have been the same scenario all over again. Except the difference between these two boys is night and day. One's kind of close to the chest, secretive, and the other is, in our family chat, is constantly in there talking with us almost every day. Now, his his brother has gotten better. So, I mean, he's in the family chat, too. We can go days or even weeks without hearing anything from him, but my youngest son, at least every day, generally. Number two, my wife has had cataract surgery on both her eyes, giving her back her autonomy. When uh, when mom was still alive, my wife's eyes were in the process of, of going bad. <laughs> I guess there's no other way of saying it. And I forget when it was. I think she was diagnosed with young cataracts around like 2016, 2017. I'd have to ask her. I could have the dates wrong. But by the time mom passed away in 2019, yeah, they'd gotten to that point. And by, 20, by January of 2020, because it was only two months, Uh, we agreed that my wife would uh, stop working and I would just take care of everything, shoulder all the bills and responsibilities and and go from there. And we're doing that till this day. But yeah, she's had had her surgery and uh, she can now drive. She can watch TV. Funny story. When Wednesday, the, the Netflix hit show about the Adams family came out, she couldn't see. So after the surgery on her eyes, we watched it a second time, which essentially was the first time for her. Because as she told me, with the way her eyes were, because they were so bad, TV shows and movies were basically like audio dramas for her for several years. It's like going back into the old-timey 30s and 40s, you know, radio serials kind of thing. But all of that's all of that's changed now. Number three, after struggling to maintain mom's previous property, which, of course, after she passed away became mine, after several months of having to wait on the court, basically the probate judge, Because of COVID and mom misplaced her will, I was finally able to sell it to a very deserving family, which happens to be uh, friends of mine. That took a tremendous load off my shoulders, financially, mentally, and physically. You know, I do miss the place, and I've talked about it in previous episodes, but at the same time, it's... It's this mental, I always felt like I was vulnerable, and I think I pointed this out. I always felt like I was vulnerable having that property, like it's an un, my my rear was unguarded, so to speak. But now that that's no longer my responsibility, I'm all buttoned up here where I live, and this is what I've got to concentrate on protecting and and, uh, improving and living out the rest of our lives here. Or maybe we sell it in eight or 10 years and downsize it. I don't, I don't know. As I told a good friend of mine, I plan to do my damnedest to try to 
retire at age 62, assuming that Social Security hasn't tanked, uh, and I also get city retirement. That's basically eight years from now. And the biggest expense I have is my mortgage. And unfortunately, it won't be paid off until I'm 73. So my wife and I actually talked about it yesterday. The You know, there's a possibility that by the time I'm 60, 61, 62, somewhere in there, we might actually be able to sell this place, get enough out of it to turn around and buy a smaller place that will be paid for and then all of my retirement money will just go to living expenses, but we'll see. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's bittersweet to not have that property. I was raised there, but now I can I don't have to divide my focus. Number four, my daughter finally got her driver's license at twenty five. Now the thing is, you got to understand, all my kids were late to the game. My youngest son did not get his driver's license until he was twenty three or twenty four. As far as I know, my my oldest son does still doesn't have a driver's license, but he lives in San Francisco, so he doesn't need it. But she finally got her driver's license at 25. I was a nervous wreck the day that she took the test because I was in the truck with her. She took the test in her brother's uh, 2003 Ford Ranger. Because of COVID, they were doing the test differently. The tester wasn't in the vehicle with the person taking the test. They put a camera in the truck and then... I, the licensed driver, had to be on the phone with the tester while the tester told my daughter where to go and what to do. And I couldn't say or do direct anything, my daughter, in any way if she was making a mistake or or, or coaching her or any of that, because that's what the camera was for. It's much, much different than when I got my license in 1986. Number five, I picked up another client, so my business continues to grow. And I want to tie that one with number six, my sober journey, 158 days today. And the reason why I want to tie those two together is the things, as I said it to another friend of mine, it's amazing the amount of free time one can have when you're not living at the bottom of a bottle. And so I have found myself with a lot more free time to focus on the business I've already started working on another side project, another side business dealing with a property that I own, not a physical property, but a domain name and all this other kind of stuff called Tifton Talks. I've been putting a lot of energy into it. The, The website created a newsletter and we have a Facebook group that's got about 6,500 members. It continues to grow and I'm doing a podcast. And so previous to that, I was basically... I won't say that I was phoning it in, but my goal was to always just get through the day so that I could just pop a top on something and just forget. Now, I look forward to working on these projects and trying to improve myself and improve the business and get this other thing off the ground so that, who knows, in eight years, maybe that's a source of revenue. I know it's not going to happen overnight. I currently have 20 subscribers. One of them is a paid subscriber for the newsletter. So it's going to take a while. And I am competing somewhat with an already established newsletter that's been around for at least 10 to 15 years. At least 10, probably between 10 and 15. And I have no no idea how many subscribers they have. They don't have a paid version, but they do a lot of advertising in their newsletter from real estate companies and all kinds of other stuff. So yeah, that's the reason why I wanted to tie the two together. The business and the sober journey. So 
it's been great. But yeah, these are the the six things that came to mind this afternoon when I said, you know, I, I want to talk about this. And so here we are. And uh, yeah, it's four years. I, I miss my mom, but she's no longer suffering. And whatever you believe, because I'm I'm not a believer in any type of religion, but she's she's in a quote better place because as I said, she's she's not suffering. We come from Stardust and we go back to Stardust. I'll leave it at that. Oh, and before I go, number seven, last but not least, I've gotten four years older. <laughs> so anyway, that's it. Thank you for listening uh, to this episode of Caught Me Donovan, where I discuss basically my life in general, but specifically my, my sober journey. If you want to reach out to me, you can email me. My email address is don at callmedonovan.com. And as I like to sometimes leave you with, when I don't forget, you can call me anything that you like, but I personally would love it if you just call me Donovan. I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.